Welcome to this APTA podcast. This podcast is part of APTA's Fit for Practice initiative, powered by HyperIce. Weekly programming in the form of podcasts, articles, webinars, and courses help you to prioritize movement, restoration, resiliency, and practice health. Visit APTA.org and search Fit for Practice to sign up today to receive these resources delivered to your inbox. Welcome to this APTA podcast for the Fit for Practice campaign. My name is Sarah Amesbury. This week's content is brought to you by Athletico. Today, we are going to talk about bicycling, and I am feeling very lucky to be speaking with Eric Moen from the state of Washington. Um, Eric owns and operates Corpore Sano Physical Therapy in Kenmore, Washington. His primary practice is with bicyclists and extremity rehab. Eric owns and operates Bike PT, which is a continuing education program for both the public and for clinical education. Eric, welcome and thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to be in Washington, D.C. and to be at the new headquarters here. Uh, it just, it's just great. It's a great time to be here. It is a great time to be here. And then Eric, can we also go into just quickly that we do actually have bikes here at headquarters? That is true. And I witnessed it. I saw them. Uh, it was great. And a place to hang bikes. You know, I think that's been um, in the design of the building on the early days of design of the building. There was, uh, there was forward thinking that that would be included. And, and it's really, I think, just a very not to use forward thinking, but it, it was a great uh, design feature because you're right next to the metro. There's all sorts of walkable space around here. And so I think it's a, I think it's very well thought out uh, benefit of, of benefit of working at APTA. I agree. It also makes bike commuting possible. I think always yep. the issue is where do you park your bike? Should you leave it in the rain? Oh, you have a spot here at APTA. <laughs> And that is awesome because that is a question that comes up uh, frequently when people do have questions about bike commuting or commuting to work is, what do I do with my bike when I get there? You know, I think the, the, the great problem to potentially have is you have so many people riding bikes, you run out of space to park bikes. That would be a good problem to have. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to get into my first question here. Um, it's pretty basic. Eric, what is the argument for bicycling? Why should I even ride a bike? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, there are plenty of obstacles to riding a bike, but, you know, the, the main reason why people ride a bike, or let's just say exercise, is that it's healthy. Bicycling is a healthy activity. When we look at literature or research around health, how many more studies do we need to say that things like bicycling improve our health? Things like cardiovascular health, strength. Bicycling is an exercise that it is lesser weight bearing on our joints than walking and running. And that's a great thing for some people. Uh, and then also it's, all, it's been demonstrated that people who ride bicycles regularly have fewer chronic conditions. Things like, you know, the, the big, diagnoses, things like hypertension, obesity, type 2 diabetes, the list goes on. A recent U.S. Department of Health and Human Services report talked about the benefits of moderate to vigorous physical activity 
it had instantaneous results of less anxiety, lower blood pressure, improved sleep, improved cognitive function, and improved insulin sensitivity. What more do we need? <laughs> <laughs> Ride a bike, you know, and you know, those are, those are our physical things uh, and some mental things that were mentioned, but also I just, uh, I know from me being uh, person, personally riding a bike really for a lifetime, bicycling requires concentration to focus. Uh, for me, it takes my mind away from the busyness of my day. So right, getting on a bike uh, is great for that. Stress relief, uh, it's been demonstrated. Um, in, in some literature that bike, uh, bike commuters are the happiest commuters, a brand promise. Wow, that's great yeah. to hear. And, and not lastly, but you know, another reason is that if you think about it, most trips in, when we say trips, those are just like to the grocery store or to work, to whatever, uh, in the US are three miles or less that's a 15 minute bike ride. If we think about what, or, you know, a longer walk, if we think about what bicycling or walking can do for our health and mental well-being, you can also think about what it does for our environment. It helps lessen greenhouse gases. And certainly we know that climate and climate change are on our minds or they, sh they should be. Uh, and that bicycling can certainly help uh, with regards to that. The other reasons for bicycling would be recreation, also commuting, uh, and then just to go, uh, I think one of my advantages of bicycling is you can go farther than you can with walking or running. So you can spend a lot longer time on a bike than you can with, uh, with running, and that's, uh, that's a, a potentially great reason to ride a bike. Those are a lot of great reasons to ride. Okay, so then when I'm ready to ride, what are the bicycle options that will fit into my lifestyle or someone else's lifestyle? Well, you know, I, I think if you're following media, people get bombarded with glitzy glam. Oh, in order to ride a bike, you have to look like the Tour de France athletes. And that's really a small percentage of what bicycling is or should be. You know, one of the easiest ways to fit bicycling into one's life, you know, I, I talked about the idea that most trips or for people who live close to their work or who are lucky enough to live close to their work, they could just simply ride a bike and it doesn't have to be a bicycle bicycle, it could be an e-bicycle as well. But commuting is probably one of the easier ways to just get started in uh, bicycling. Costs less to park in we'd say more advanced cities and communities, they have dedicated bike lanes. And even some employers have benefits to riding a bike or commuting. I know in Washington state, there's businesses like Children's Hospital and Amazon and Microsoft, which have employee benefits to, you know, Microsoft gives you so many dollars towards the purchase of uh, sports or athletic equipment. Amazon has a bike program, mostly to get people not to drive their cars to work because they have limited parking, uh, as well as children's hospitals. So you get a benefit, you get money back for riding your bike to work. So it's potentially some really great reasons just to ride the bike to work. I know personally when I've ridden 
Uh, I used to have a job in downtown Seattle. I lived north of Seattle. It would take me as long to ride home as it would be to drive home. And can you guess which one I felt better with at the end of the day? The answer was bicycling. When I got out of the car, it was high blood pressure, stressed, ah, cars, cars, cars. Um, and with bicycling, there was far less of those, we'd say, unhealthy benefits of driving. <laughs> uh, besides, uh, besides commuting, the next obvious one is recreation. You know, recreation is a great reason to just go out and ride a bike. Uh, as I mentioned, it's easier to get farther bicycling than you can with walking. Um, I, I will do a humble brag of my home state of Washington state, which we, we differentiate here in Washington, D.C. as being Washington AC, which refers to above California. Uh, Washington, my home state, is ranked number one bicycle-friendly state as ranked by the Bike League and has been such since uh, 2008. And it's mostly because our Washington State Department of Transportation has an active transportation plan, which has included bike lanes, bike thoroughfares, and not just bike, you know, it's mixed walk and bike pathways to get people out of their cars, to get them in alternative transportation. In fact, in the, in the state of Washington, we have a state plan currently that, that uh, for, by the year 2020 or by the year 2030, our Washington state plan is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 45% as compared to the 2005 level. And that has to include things like bike paths, walking paths, uh, shared transportation and all. So um, that's, uh, you know, recreation can be uh, just getting out on a bike trail with your family. Um, and I know in Washington State, we have lots of trail networks, and I know there's trail networks here in Washington, D.C., but check those out in your local communities and search them out because they are, they are there. There's lots of rails to trails uh, programs. In fact, there was a recent, if, if you so inclined, you can ride from West Coast to East Coast or East Coast to West Coast on a former rail trail. And so that, that has just recently been fully linked uh, here in the United States. Great family activity. Kids, give the, give the gift of bicycling to your kids because as some of you know who take up athletics or sports as adults, it is much more difficult to do so when you're an adult. So if you can get this activity into a kid or a youngster, um, it is much easier for them to, to pick that up and keep that as a lifetime activity, uh, as opposed to the challenges of being um, an adult <laughs> learner. <laughs> um, and we, we know those, you know, lots of our patients uh, in the outpatient sports and orthopedic world are adult learners for obvious reasons. So, um, and then also there's stationary cycling. I'm kind of long-winded on this, but it was, there's stationary cycling. Right now, uh, our home options, and this was a huge deal uh, in you know, the onset of the pandemic, is the, the brand Peloton and Echelon. Those are subscription-based services that allow you to work out in the comfort of your own home or give you a group-like exercise community uh, that helps motivate you to do some activities. There's also, from the bike industry, there's also what are called direct driver stationary, stationary bicycle trainers where you can hook up your own 
um, own bicycle to a trainer in your room or in your house and just ride to your heart's content. And then there's gym-based bicycling, uh, which is you know not so hot right now with the pandemic, but things are opening up. So there's group cycling uh, where there's uh, uh, exercise bikes. The, the primary one you might see is by Kaiser. And then there's groups like Soul Cycle that have uh, group cycling classes. These are nice if you're wanting to have a community of people next to, like right next to you. <laughs> right now, we're, we're, I'm still a little concerned about that. So uh, I'm just fine cycling by myself. <laughs> and then when we when we get to gyms or, you know, if we're, if we're in a hotel and they have an exercise facility, there's upright bikes and recumbent bikes. And those are just great ways to get started. I mean, the thing is, is with any activity, we have to start with small bites and progress to larger bites. When we look at most sports and particularly with cycling, it usually takes like three to five years to become really competent at the certain activity you're trying to do. So, you know, there, the, the big detractor from doing any new activity is there's going to be challenges. So you stick with an activity where learn learn lots and then have patience because your competence will occur over time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so speaking of challenges, as both a consumer and an educator, what do you see most commonly the, as the challenges of bicycling? Well, you know, the, the, the big challenge with bicycling initially can be cost. Uh, and that's, that's probably that, and I say can be because it, because it really doesn't have to be. And so, but the biggest, the biggest challenges are costs. And certainly these days, uh, I, did I mention we're in a pandemic? So these days with like pandemic supply chain issues, it's really difficult to find stuff. And uh, it's kind of catch as catch can. So sometimes you feel like you get stuck buying, having to buy something a little more than what you're comfortable with. Uh, but in general, when you start bicycling, there's certainly the cost of the bicycle. And if you're following all the media, media would say you have to buy something at least five to $12,000, which is not the case. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's lesser expensive bikes that are out there. And really, if you're just starting out in cycling, don't bust the bank on your first bike. I mean, it's a starter kit. And so there's so much to learn on just anything with two wheels that you don't have to bust the bank on something like this. With regards to gear, there's the bicycle, there's bicycle clothing. So if you're doing more than your three mile just trip uh, around the neighborhood, you'll eventually want things like cycling shorts. And if it's cold, you'll want cycling pants and jackets and all sorts of things that are appropriate for cycling. You'll need a helmet. Eventually, you'll want cycling shoes if you choose to use a cleated pedal. Although for those just starting out, a flat pedal is just fine. And then there's potentially a lock, maybe a rack and panniers, spare tires and tubes, some basic maintenance and upkeep costs. And so certainly there's that. And I sort of joke uh, on this, but this is a budgeted expense or a, a planned expense is <clears throat> what's in bicycle called your N plus one, where N is the number of bikes you have and N plus one is the desired bikes of which you have. And so I know in Seattle, 
a lot of our bike aficionados have a sunny day bike, a rain bike, a gravel bike, a blah, 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 you know, name the bike, a bike for every day of the week, essentially. And then sometimes there's cost of storage. So, uh, you know, storage costs. Uh, and then there's the cost potentially of upkeep, uh, uh, upke upkeep and maintenance on the bike. If you do use your bike, just like a car, it sometimes requires some maintenance. And so there are sometimes costs associated with a bicycle. Excellent. Okay. So now if I'm ready to ride the bike, mm. right? Like I don't want to cut any corners. <laughs> But I'm going to use, uh, um, I think maybe one of your favorite phrases now, my one of my favorite phrases, but how do I short rope this experience? Well, to let everybody know what short roping is, short rope is a term for mountaineering, where if you're a mountain guide and you have a client who's not so experienced and not so ready for the adventure, they put them on a short rope and essentially drag them up the hill. And so... The ascent, you, you know, you get to the top faster and safer than you would otherwise. So it's a not quite a shortcut. I mean, you still have to do the work, but you know, I think with bicycling, there's so many variables and so many things to learn that if you can find someone who can help you not take shortcuts, but avoid long cuts <laughs> or detours <laughs> or rabbit holes or things, then it's, you know, that's the, that's the, that's definitely of help. It's probably one of the biggest things if you're considering doing some sort of bicycling just for like commuting and recreational riding. I know in Seattle, we're spoiled by having a local bicycle club uh, called Cascade Cycling Club. And they have, they actually teach classes on bicycling, safe bicycling and commuting. And so you can certainly, um, uh, take classes like that. And I was just reviewing a, 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 a month or a, a quarterly report from Bike League and Bike League, which is headquartered here in Washington, DC, they have um, certified cycling instructors. And so, and they're people from around the country. So I don't expect everybody to move to Seattle for the cycling scene, but you could access Bike League and discover where there are potentially cycling instructors in your community. And so that would be a great short roping event where you actually take some adult learning bicycling uh, classes. And that's going to help you, as I like to say, keep the rubber side down more reliably. Because certainly when we think about bicycling, it's not just about getting from point A to B, but it's also keeping the bike upright, pedaling it well, safely navigating obstacles. So there, it, it's not just as easy as riding a bike. So there really are some skills that will, will make your, your uh, experience much more enjoyable. Speaking of skills, one of the things that, that is a very um, important concept uh, in, you know, as a, as a physical therapist or physio, I, I have to say, you know, we're interested in health on the bike. And when we talk about just a, a bicycling skill, uh, pedaling cadence is an important concept. And it's really what I like to say, a rudimentary activity for bicycling. When we look at cadence, cadences of 80 to 90 revolutions per minute 
if possible, uh, on the flat terrain is ideal. This helps decrease irregular stresses and strains on your joints and stresses to the back. Uh, it's going to maybe be perceived as being a little more uh, taxing on your cardiovascular system, but that's partially why we're out there. And so we use our gears to um, alter gears on the bike to alter how hard we're pedaling or at what cadence. And so oftentimes they'll tell people to use your gears um, and to figure out what gear allows you to pedal at 90 revolutions per minute on the flat while yet maintaining conversational pace. So that's, you know, that's mic drop, figure it out, work it out. It's not easy to do when you first start out. In fact, most cyclists, when they first start out cycling, you know, they're just plodding along at 60-ish revolutions per minute. You know, that's, we, we know that. And so if you can work up to 80 to 90 revolutions per minute, which is a neuromuscular skill, which is a cardiovascular task, um, bravo to you. You'll stay out of our offices. Uh, you'll tend to stay out of our offices for overuse injuries and problems. <laughs> also, um, two more things. Join a bicycle club locally. A bicycle club gives you friends and, and corroborators in your, in, your, in your activities, and you'll learn lots from these people who are super experienced, uh, and they'll help short rope you. Uh, and then lastly, uh, as a physical therapist, it would go without saying to have a goal. You know, figure out if you're going to ride a bike, I mean, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm going to win the Tour de France, but, you know, it's just like, hey, you know, I want to incorporate bicycling to my health and well-being. So that's going to take at least ride the bike three times a week, two or three times a week. Let's start out like 20 or 30 minutes. For example, um, uh, my mom, who is um, getting up there, uh, I, I'm not making her, but I gave her the opportunity and the equipment to ride or have a cycling experience at home. And we just started out with three minutes. Let's start out with three minutes conversational pace every day as a means to increase strength, coordination, and cardiovascular fitness. You know, it's this start small, under deliver or under promise and over deliver, you know, so you feel good about it. But you know, anytime we start out with cardiovascular fitness, um, you know, you don't have to be the Tour de France athlete right away. That's an unrealistic expectation. So start small and just be consistent. That's the, that's probably the biggest, most important thing for any uh, regular exercise program. Yes, consistency is key. I'm going to go back. I have one question for you about the 90 revolution, revolutions per minute. Yeah. Do you see that if you, you see, you mentioned overuse injuries with that. When you see someone cycling below those that revolutions per minute is that where you see the overuse are you seeing it when they're over 90 revolutions per minute well what, what's interesting it's not over because people don't typically tolerate riding greater than 90 ish rpm for extended periods of time but that's an expectation that we have on our racers so if i'm working with a bicycle racer i'll have these i'll have the expectations that they can pedal greater than 90 like 120 rpm for a, a short period of time uh, like our track cyclists, like our world-class track cyclists, they can pedal for short periods of time upwards of 200 revolutions per minute, which is crazy 
that is a practiced skill that not just anyone can do that. So, but back to the lower cadence, the thing you get with lower cadence is when you think about pedaling, what we do know about pedaling, it's been proven about pedaling for a given level of resistance. Say if I'm just riding down this trail that I can see here looking out from uh, APTA headquarters, um, if I'm riding down this trail at 60 RPM versus 90 RPM at the same speed, 60 RPM means I'm pushing harder for pedal stroke, which potentially is giving me more load, compressive loads to my knee, patellofemoral joint, and tibiofemoral joint. Also related to that is back. So the harder I push on the pedals, the more my back has to work to stabilize that push. And I'll also know that I have more compressive loading to the plantar surface of my foot. So typically for people who are plodding along at lower cadences, we'll see low back pain, we'll see some knee problems, mostly related to compression and shear, or we'll say my foot's numb, or I've got metatarsalgia. Uh, these are typical complaints of our low cadence plotters. Now it doesn't mean you can't do that. It just, if you're looking for a healthy bicycling stimulus, you're better served by progressing to that 80 to 90. A funny story, I did, I did, um, I authored a chapter in a book and, and the, the author was a uh, physician and I told him he needed to, I was making the recommendation of that higher cadence piece and he came back and said, oh no, we can't include that. I went out and tried that last night at home and I couldn't do it. So we can't include that in the book. And I was like, ah, you probably really want to include that. And then I went through the whole health argument of it and he came around to it. And, and whether he adopted that to his life, I have no idea. But uh, bottom line is there's good reason uh, as a physical therapist who is interested in the health of the species, the neuromusculoskeletal health of the species, to make these recommendations. Also, when we, we are looking for those secondary cardiovascular uh, responses, stimulus, that 80 to 90 revolutions per minute will hit it, as opposed to 60, you can kind of plod along and not really have to breathe to do it. But it does increase the stress to the to the to the joints, to the to the surfaces, to the uh, lumosacral uh, musculature. Yeah, that makes Irregular. a lot of sense. Yes, <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Okay, so then going into the the more the physical therapy aspect of it, then do you think that all bikes should be professionally positioned or bike fit? Well. That is a great question. Uh, being Doing what I do, I would say, of course. But that being said, here's how it usually goes. When a person gets a bike at the bike shop, they usually receive some sort of quick fit or upsell of a bike fit or bike positioning. And really, that's a good place to start. So when one gets out on their bike and uh, it's not working, like, it hurts to ride the bike or they develop an injury or a pain syndrome, they usually end up saying, ah, I'm gonna quit cycling. <laughs> so for what I do uh, clinically uh, is I take those people who are having those intolerances of bicycling, such as like patellofemoral problems, uh, strains, uh, compressive issues, numbing, 
and and then we we create a a good solution for them with regards to the positioning and the physical preparation for their chosen activity. And really, it's no different than how we in the physical therapy profession look at people with running problems or walking problems. We evaluate them and their gait and come up with solutions to allow movement to happen much more efficiently, effectively. And typically, what we see is through this bike positioning or looking at the pathomechanics of their movement, um, if we get a good solution, they're usually essentially all better in one to two visits and they're on to a happy bicycling experience and continue to be a bicyclist as long as they want to. They have fewer excuses not to ride the bike because they, they feel good. Their speeds increase. They don't hurt. It's not too bad. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so next. Actually, you know, one other thing, one other thing on that. When we talk about bike fit or bike positions, there are varied providers of that. And so certainly as, we, as we're discussing today and, and what I do clinically, uh, of course, I would think that the, I think that the physical therapist is uniquely positioned to work best in this area of clinical work of people who have problems on their bikes. That being said, industry also is glomming onto this uh, and has been since like probably the mid 2000, like 2005-ish uh, more heavily because they understand that there's money to be made. Uh, and so there's people who go through industry-based bike fit training uh, such as to sell, uh, sell a product and not take up floor space and they get to sell other parts and pieces. So there's reasons bike industry, industry is doing it. These are bike shop employees of varied, uh, varied backgrounds, uh, we'll say, not usually trained in musculoskeletal. Uh, and then there's also coaches. These are, these are usually our performance-based uh, biased people. And they're trying to make you the Tour de France athlete. And this, this probably is not a great place to start because uh, for people who are new to the sport, because um, getting into a position consistent with professional bike racing, um, although well-intentioned, is really hard to tolerate <laughs> for people new to bicycling. And then there's also, uh, uh, there's also the DIY approach. Lots of stuff on YouTube, uh, varied... Uh, sources, um, take your pick, go for it. It's self-selected. Um, there's all sorts of stuff out there, uh, good and bad. So there's lots of rabbit holes to jump down on uh, YouTube. Always. <laughs> Always, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> okay, my next question for you. On a scale from zero to 10, oh. how important is it for me to know how to change my own tire? Well, that's a great question. My, I was discussing this question with my wife uh, recently, and um, she reminded me that when we first met, that I was insistent on her being independent with this basic skill. So um, that being said, since that, since that, uh, uh, since that uh, advice, that we'll say sage advice, um, there's things like Uber and Lyft. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 
But that being said, you know, I really think, I think that if you're going to ride a bicycle, you should have some basic technical capabilities such as changing a, a tube and tire uh, and basic maintenance and upkeep such as uh, being able to know when you should lubricate the chain uh, and then also be capable of knowing safe operating conditions of a bicycle such as are my brakes working is my wheel safely attached to the bicycle so those are some basic things that you should be aware of. And I would say that all of those things are pretty safely acquired on YouTube, the aforementioned YouTube. So there's lots of good resources on YouTube for that. But also, you know, I do know that like REI, you know, local C Seattle, not to keep pinging Seattle businesses, but REI, which is a Seattle-based company, they have, um, they oftentimes have classes on basic bike maintenance. And I, always, always recommend to uh, my people, my people who are new to bicycling that they do some basic bike maintenance class, such as offered by REI. Also local bicycle shops will have these types of classes as well. And insider tip, most bike employees will go out of their way for beer and homemade cookies. And so <laughs> that's... Boy, who wouldn't? <laughs> top secret tip top secret tip, but you know, I, that those are important skills. So I, I would encourage you to seek, seek out knowledge of that. You know, there's countless tales, not countless, but there's been many times where we've been out riding around the greater Seattle metro area. And I come across people who are just dazed and bewildered on the side of the road, just looking at their flat tire. And a funny story, I was riding one day and this person had their bicycle upside down. They had taken their, they hadn't taken the wheel off their rear, the, the rear wheel off. They had taken the, they, they knew how to get the tube or the tire off of the rim, but were just looking at this thing confused. And so I just stopped by and said, you mind if I just take care of this? And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, great. So I, I was able to change it in less than five minutes because I'm well-practiced at it. But, and they were just like looking at me like I was some, foreign alien person. But the, the bottom line is if you're doing a great job, if you practice, it only takes a few minutes to change this out. Um, so I would encourage you all to learn how to do that. Begrudgingly right. or not. <laughs> that may have been me by the side of the road. Uh, <laughs> well, I would have stopped by and been happy. Yeah. To <laughs> not anymore. Now I know how to do it, but there was. That a time. Awesome. That's awesome, Sarah. Good okay. Time. So <laughs> thank you. So for any PTA, PT out there listening who wants to know more, mm. can you tell us any resources that you would recommend for our clinicians to know more about bicycling? Well, when um, we'll say as physical therapy professionals, uh, and that includes the PT, PTA team, there's a bunch of resources. Later today, I'm delivering Centennial Lecture Series on the physical therapy management of the bicyclist. And so you can simply take that class uh, remotely. It'll be recorded and you can access it at a later time. And that's gonna go through basic, like how do you manage, uh, how do you manage cyclists clinically? And so that gives you a lot of good, healthy information uh, on bicycling. 
uh, also there's interestingly enough there's some governmental stuff that's talking about the benefits if you need further convincing of why you should be exercising on a regular basis there's other resources through the u.s department of health and human services there's information as to why people should be getting out and exercising and that's really that that's a potential area where we have good partnership with a group like cdc.gov uh, because you know as as the physical therapy profession we are we help get people moving and so you know we're the we're, we're essentially the could be the tour guides of getting people moving so there'd be a potentially interesting uh, partnership there's also things like Bike League, bikeleague.org is uh, a group I mentioned earlier. They, they do a lot of uh, programs with regards to bicycle advocacy uh, and getting people on bikes, getting people to learn how to ride bikes. There's an industry group called People for Bikes that you, they've got all sorts of research information. They have advocacy, they have, they're, they're a little more industry centric, but you know, if you wanna learn about what's going on in bicycles and get links to other bicycle manufacturers, they're there. Uh, also in my neck of the woods, um, there's Cascade Cycling Club in Seattle. And there, I, I list them because one, they're the largest bicycle club in the United States and they have some really, uh, well-developed programs that you can copy with pride for your local community or, or gain inspiration from, or potentially they might have some links to other programs around the country. And then certainly if you're the racing sort and want to know information, usacycling.org uh, is for, for our racers. And then internationally, uci.ch is the International Cycling Union. And they have, they have, um, they actually have a, a group uh, that talks about cycling for all. And so uh, it's not just, the, the, interestingly enough, in the international side, they're doing, getting just people on bikes, let alone preparing them for uh, Olympic and Paralympic experiences. And so in world championships and all this other stuff. So uh, that, that's actually kind of an interesting site to look at from an international perspective. Um, and then, you know, as I, I bug my kids and say, do you have an internet enabled device? And as to answer to their questions, you know, do a search on bicycle, learning the bicycle, you know, type in that search bar, the question you have, and you'll be amazed at what comes up. Some of it may be garbage, but you may find some, some uh, hidden treasures and gems in there with regards to your bicycling experience. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. I have really enjoyed this. I'm really looking forward to your lectures during the APTA's Centennial Lecture Series. Thank you so much. I, I really myself love bicycling and, um, and love to share it and think it's just a great resource for life. Agreed. To learn more about Fit for Practice, visit apta.org backslash fit dash for dash practice. Thanks guys. Thank you. APTA Fit for Practice programming is available at no cost to all PTs, PTAs, and students. Thanks to the generosity of our sponsors.
Sign up today by visiting APTA.org and search Fit for Practice. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting APTA.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.